Hey there, I'm James McKinvin. And I'm Dagobert. And you're listening to This Indie Life. This Indie Life follows a journey of two indie hackers as we navigate the good, bad and ugly, attempting to turn our indie hacker dreams into reality. Each week, you can tune in to see what progress we've made to achieve those dreams. Sometimes it will be good news, other times it won't be going so well, but we promise to be open and honest with you. This episode, Dango is in full prep mode for his Twitter course launch and talks about how the early access has helped him. Both of us are no stranger to burnout, so we discuss both of our approaches to avoiding it, including how many hours we both work each week. I think you'll be surprised by our answers here. We are now taking on sponsors for the show, so if you want to grab a slot while they're still available, head to indielife.fm slash sponsor and we'll start adding them in from next week. You join Dagger and I as we are pondering the usefulness of AI writing tools. Let's get into it. Have you said, Have you noticed this in the last week or two weeks? AI writing tools. Oh, it's not two weeks, dude. It's like one year. And I hate it, you know, to be honest. I mean, <laughs> I know it's dangerous to say because I have a lot of, I know a lot of people who build those, but... I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't have potential and there's probably a few of them that are good that I don't, you know, that I missed. But I noticed that it's basically making it more easy to create mediocre content. And that's what's a bit sad about it. It's kind of like automating what we are not amazing at. So that's not inspiring to me. Now, you know, I'm not saying there's not a good tool out there. I'm doing a logo generator, which people think is an AI. So, you know, I have to face this because people tell me, how is it going to be a good logo? Like it's AI bullshit. So they don't even want to try it. So we should probably say that there's no fucking AI. It's just like a big, you know, if else statement that's going to pick from the design that my wife made. You know, this is the thing. This is not an AI. But yeah, it's not, it's not looking good for me. Like all these AI stuff, again, probably some awesome thing that are going to be happening. But right now it just seems depressing to me. I agree. I I worry that that's what will end up happening with because I've tried them and I, I just it I feel it stints creativity and that is what makes the internet great. That is what makes content readable, watchable, is someone being able to exercise their creativity. I think it is potentially an opportunity for people to stand out if they are good creative writers because I, I was trying a tool earlier and one of these AI writing tools. I was like, oh my God, I can just write so much better than this. And if this is what it's spitting out, which, which is like, it's got all the information in there, but it's not creative. It's not fun. It's not quirky. It doesn't have as much humor. And I feel those that are good copywriters can stand out, but it's whether or not the algorithms that surface that content is going to be able to do that. Tell me, Dago. What's been happening this week for you? So for me, it's going to come as a big surprise to people is that I'm working on my course. And the thing is, I tend to work hard. You know, that's just the thing I'm used to doing. But I was like so stressed about it that I was working out of stress. And now I started sending some early access to people and I got like very good feedback. Like some guy telling me like it's blowing their mind. Like it was like very, very good feedback. that made me so excited. But then I was so excited and so wanted to work on it that like yesterday I couldn't work on it. It was too much excitement and pressure and stress that it was very hard to get anything done. So I was doing busy work. I mean, useful, <laughs> but like not priority because I just couldn't. I had too much emotions. So eventually I meditated on it. I slept on it, obviously. 
And now I feel like this sense of calm. Like I feel like, oh, I'm cool. Even if I don't do everything perfectly, which I'm afraid of, you know, not doing, it already has value, already been validated. I can launch it, it's going to be awesome. People will like it. I will sell some of it. I will be happy. Like there's this kind of relief after working hard for so long, for so many weeks, you know, pushing myself. And it's also related to the exhaustion, like being exhausted for so long, not sleeping much. Then when you got this kind of like, realization is going to be fine. I don't know, I feel very calm, which is weird for me because like usually before lunch, I'm stressed. And now I'm like, it's going to be fine. And I think it's because I did early access. Because when you don't show your work to people, when you don't connect with people, when you're like alone, like what I used to do, you're just alone or like, you know, with my wife, like we are alone, not facing customers. And then it's like incredible pressure up to launch. And then you launch and you see what happens. But now I almost regret I didn't do the early access sooner. Because when you get people's feedback, you get some good and some bad, but the good is going to be so motivating. And it's going to be so motivating and give you so much confidence that it's going to be okay. So like it, removing the pressure of launch, I think, so useful. So now I want to do this all the time. Like, you know, I already started doing it you know, last year with something else, but I don't think I'll ever like not do some early access for anything I build now. This is why I love launching things really quickly. I suppose this is a bit like your early access then in that sense, because the more time... I have to think about something, the worse it gets. I lose motivation, excitement for something the longer it goes. I try to make it more perfect. When I did my course, I gave myself two weeks to do it because I just wanted to get something out there. If I'd have given myself three months to do it, I never would have done it. Mm -hmm. And it was such a great experience for me. And I still use it as a resource. I still send it to people. I still get sales. And I loved that I did that so quickly. What happened yesterday then when you can work on it? Were you, what, what were you doing? I basically sent the early access only a couple of days ago. And the day I sent it, so it was a Tuesday, and I had spent 13 hours working that day because I thought it was going to take six hours, then editing, then everything took way longer, obviously, <laughs> my first time doing it. After 13 hours, I was exhausted. I send, you know, the files to the nine people who had pre-ordered it. I try to go to bed, but I start to get notifications. You know, the first guy who started looking at it, giving me awesome feedback. But, you know, when you've been working a lot in the same day and you send it and you start getting feedback, like you cannot stop. Like, and so I didn't <laughs> sleep almost. So the next day I was very tired and yet was starting to get even more feedback from the other people who had started watching it. And like, it was just too much. So... I just, you know, was talking with them on DMs, digging into the feedback, kind of like compiling everything to see, okay. And also organizing because with the feedback, I was like, oh, okay, I need to fix this first. But I hadn't planned to fix this first. So I had planned to do other things. So I had to reorganize everything, realize that I'm not going to be able to do everything before launch and accept that. And so, you know, I ended up planning that I'm focusing on like, you know, like I already was planning, but like, really the main course and the core, you know, fixes that people want for launch. And then in the next couple of weeks, I will make kind of like an update with my full vision, you know, like the bonuses, couple more good stuff. It's not essential, but it's what may going to make me feel happy that I really did exactly what I wanted. But, you know, it was so exciting that because it's been so long, man, like four months, I'm thinking of doing this course. I started working on it. 
I struggled, I was battling imposter syndrome, I was so stressed, I was worried. Eventually, I overcame all that, learned all that shit about doing video, which I never done, and, you know, pushed myself. My first Gumroad product, again, something I never done. Basically, I went from, because I tend to do this, this high, you know, high and lows very quickly. I went from, basically, when I went to bed on Tuesday after sending, I was like, I'm going to be so fucking rich. Like, I was like, so, <laughs> so high. And then the next day, it's like, shit, how do I release that? And there's no certainty it's going to work. I still have to have to work. So it was so like, you know, it's always the same. Like you, you have amazing feedback, you feel on top of the world. And then the next day, okay, back to normal, got to work, not done yet. Let's not put the car before the horse and all that. Good for you, man. I'm excited. So next Tuesday, is that? Yeah. What else you got? Are you going to talk about burnout, flow state and your meme? Yeah. Yeah, so it's surprising because, you know, I, I burned out a couple of times in my life. Mm. Once was when I was freelancing because I was running out of money. So I had said yes to every, every kind of mission I could take. Mm -hmm. And they all happened at the same time. So because I was short on cash, I was so motivated. I was working day and night. And I was literally juggling between seven projects. And the highest was like 5K and the lowest was like 800. As soon as I started making one of the project's money and I didn't have the money problem anymore, I lost all motivation <laughs> because that was the drive. So I still had like five projects to complete in like two weeks, which was completely impossible, except if I was on drugs or super motivated because zero money. And even then it probably would have been impossible. And so I couldn't work and I burned out because I was forced to do it. Yeah. You know, so I burned out and I eventually, you know, ended up completing only two and you know bailing on the other three so i you know refunded people apologized because i basically told them the day before they were expecting the i mean shitty situation terrible mistake but i learned about burnout that day you know that's burnout for you and then for the next couple of months was just enjoying my money and like <laughs> and recovering from the burnout that was my first time second time was last year on logology because i was so stressed out with you know trying to make it successful so i remember we took a break with you know for a few days and during the break i was doing customer support at midnight because i just wanted to sell one more logo that day and i didn't want to you know give up and i remember i never felt that in my life but my fucking body i felt like i was gonna die so the reason i'm saying this is that burnout it's not so much about how much you work i feel it's more like how stressful it is because right now as you can hear, I don't feel like I'm going to burn out. Like I'm quiet. I'm enjoying myself. And yet I've done the hardest week I ever did in my life last week. Because I count it. I count my hours, you know, very precisely for years. And I did the highest number of hours I ever did. And yet, you know, and I couldn't sleep. Like I, I had a few nights where I only slept five hours. So very bad physically. So I can feel I'm tired physically, but I'm not burning out. And I'm not burning out because I'm choosing to. Just like you said, like you were building the pod. So when you were building the pod like this one, you were so positively excited that you could overwork for a while. And I think that's the big thing with burnout is that it's not because of the amount of hours. It's about how aligned you are with it. If you're like needing to do this for something you truly believe in and truly love, you can overwork for a while. It's not gonna make you burn out. And that was a big learning for me is that this time, I'm like, I'm feeling chill. Interesting. I'm, I'm trying to learn about burnout more. 
myself because I don't. I've, I've I've never felt physically sick like you. I felt like I've not got the motivation to do anything, and I go into this self sabotage as we've spoken, where I just let yeah. everything go and don't care about anything. And now I'm just, if ever I start feeling like that, I'm like just just go and do something. Like get outside, leave the flat, go and go and see your grandparents, go and see your little niece, play tennis, do something which is away from your screen. And then like try and get some little wins because if I just keep working and keep working and keep thinking about it, I like having the negative thoughts of, oh, I can't do this. I can't do this. Why can't I do this? It's just, it's a, it's a podcast edit or whatever. So I'm, I'm pleased that you've taken your learnings and you're calmer about this despite working a lot. And thanks for being open about it. I think the key is really to be aligned with what you do because I think you can burn out with like 20 hours a week. If it's something you hate, and you feel forced yeah. to do it. How many hours did you work last week then? I've got mine up. I, re- I, yeah, I reckon you'll find mine quite amusing compared to yours. So last week, 62 and 8 minutes. <laughs> I worked 19 hours and 26. 19 or 90? 19. Oh shit. Mm. That's like two days. Yeah. So yeah, 19 hours. Then the week before, which I think was launch week, I did a massive 33. <laughs> so, so what do you think about that love it when i was younger and working a full-time job and doing side projects i wanted to work 15 hour days i wanted to work all the time and since i hit that depression in 2020 i was like i'm never working that hard again because i had a full-time job and i was doing another full-time job on top of that with side projects and okay yeah so overworked and i was like i'm i'm just never gonna get close to that again when I started Logology with my wife, we had that fantasy. We wanted to do two, two days a week, basically. We wanted to leave our jobs to have a, you know, easier life, you know, obviously. That was the goal initially, make money more easily. And then eventually we realized it's not happening. So it's either we give it really our best, like it gives us kind of like a survival thing. Like it's either we go back to a job and we quit or we try, but if we try, you know, we give it our best shot because like it's not working, so we have to do better. And so, you know, for her and for me, it was, you know, both difficult to accept that. You know, initially she wanted to do two days a week. Now she's doing, you know, a bit more than four because she also spends one day writing her novel. And for me, it's like, you know, about seven days a week. Again, the big shift for me is that I I basically committed to my choice. I basically committed to I'm making this shit work. And I'm not going to give up and I, you know, and, and I burned out because it's not easy. You know, I burned out last year. Mm. So I'm finding ways to solve that. But I'm like, if I run out of savings in a couple, in like one year, because it's failed and I haven't given it my best shot and I'm back to a job, dude, I will hate, my, will hate myself. So I was like, okay, I cannot not do this. But it took me two years to do, to get to that point. It's like having a baby. You have a baby, you wake up at night to feed it. You don't sleep for 10 hours straight when you have a baby. It's kind of the same thing. (laughs) Right now, I need to make the baby fucking survive because it can't. (laughs) So I am waking up five times a night and, you know, giving him milk or whatever. But, you know, it's like, I need to do this thing. And yeah, and the thing about milk, which I thought was interesting about, I mean, about babies is that when people have a baby, they think they're going to make it. It might seem hard, but they don't have a choice. They're not going to give up the baby. So you have to stick with it. And eventually the baby survives and it becomes a human being, hopefully a good one, but at least you did your job, you know? And I think 
I'm doing that with my startup. I'm like, I'm not letting this shit die. And if, and if you actually commit to it, just like with a baby, it's natural to commit to it. You're not going to let the baby die. If you're like, I'm not going to let the startup die, you'll figure it out. Um, what's your meme this week, Dago? So the meme of the week was posted on October 18th, if you guys want to check it out. And it's about some founder who looks for a book in a library as if like he's looking for the feature that's going to solve everything with his startup. I did this one because that was me, you know, for a long time. That was me for a long time. That was spend the first two and a half years on Logology thinking if we are failing is because we are missing the magic feature. I agree. Good meme. Do you, do, you, uh, do you make all these yourself? Dude, of course I am. I feel insulted. <laughs> you should check out memelogy.co, which is my website. And I'm talking to you, James, but of, of course, also to other people. And I list all of my memes and I made like, I think, 380 so far. And how long does it take you to do them? It's probably 30 minutes for one meme or 20 minutes. And do you do them in batches? Yeah, I batch it. Like I do probably 20 at a time. Do you like being known as the meme guy? Actually, I used to not really like it, but now I like it a bit more. <laughs> I don't know what changed, but I used to not like it because I want to be, I don't want to be reduced to something, obviously, but I think that's how it goes. You know, memes get more engagement because it's funnier. So people usually remember that. But now I love it because I really understand why it's helping me. Because even though most people will just remember, you know, oh, this is the guy with the memes. So it's not really helping me do anything. You know, it's not giving me the credibility that I'm looking for. Like it's not going to make me sell anything. But the beauty is it attracts so many people and then they check my other stuff and then maybe only a few percentage of these people will stay yeah. and will actually care. But that's actually amazing. You know, and that's, that's actually a part of my course because I, I have a bonus on memes about that, about how this is useful to create a lot of impressions, a lot of engagement. And then it's your other tweets that do the work of like filtering all the people who came in just to have a joke. And some of them will love to also learn about deeper stuff about your journey. Like some of them will, you know, subscribe to this podcast. They want to go deeper. They want to learn stuff. And so now I'm at peace with the memes. I agree. I like you embracing it a little bit more. Um, yeah. I, I could ask you... Uh, <laughs> A lot about the meme thing, about having an audience, the pros and cons of it. But we'll save that for another day. <laughs> yeah, okay. That would be a nice one. For me, relatively short updates. First of all, I'll give you a little bit of context for this. I've always had nice cars since I was younger. After my first car, which was like a, a Peugeot to it. Sorry, how do you say Peugeot in French? We say Porsche. What? I, all I heard there was Porsche. Yeah, that's it. Oh, no, you said Peugeot. Yeah. I thought you said like Porsche. Because I was like, this guy is working 20 hours a week. He's <laughs> buying a Porsche and he's fucking in debt. No wonder. <laughs> no, no. Peugeot. Yeah, Peugeot. Okay. So first guy was a Peugeot. Then when I got my first job, I was earning like 20 grand a year. I was like, I'm rich. I'm living at home. I can definitely get a car. So I got like a Ford Fiesta ST, little Oh, nice. racer car was paying 300 pound a month for this car loved it and then i moved to london i was like oh shit i don't have enough money for this car got rid of it got a crap car again and then i got my next job and here i was being paid 40 grand a year and i was like made it i'm making enough money in london got no kids i got 
a brand new BMW 3 Series, like uh, six months into the job. And I loved this car. It was £450 a month. Oh, and then things started to get worse. My money started to get out of control. I could barely afford this car. And then I went, oh, I left my job and I still had this car. I still loved this car and yeah. went all in on my own stuff. There's no way I could afford it. But I was also like, I don't want to give it up. I love it. I love the way it makes me feel having this lovely car. My ego likes it when I get out and people see how this young guy got this nice car. So I was like, I'm, I'm not getting rid of it. I'm not getting rid of it. I'm just, whatever I, whatever I do, I'm going to make enough money to pay for my bills and my car. And it just didn't work. So I decided to get rid of it. Got rid of it in May. Cleared the debt. Fantastic. And so I had to get a car to drive around him. I was like, I don't have money just sitting around. I don't have savings. I'm in debt. I've just got to get the cheapest thing I can get. I bought a Ford Focus and it died. Is that the thing that happened like a couple of days ago? Yep. Yep. I was actually driving to a client meeting or client recording into London. And I was like, all right, I'll just drive this car. I've hated this car ever since I got it. And just on the side of the motorway, basically the engine blew up. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's dead. Okay. I hated that car, so I'm pleased it's gone in one sense. But also, I now need a car. Like, where I live in, in Canterbury, I need a car to get around. You learned your lesson, though. Like, now you know you need to keep the expensive car and stay <laughs> in debt. That is the lesson here. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I bummed out about my cars. Maybe if one of the, these deals go through that I've been talking about last week, that might give me a little bit of liquid cash yeah. to get something again. Also, thinking outside the box, I'm like... I've got skills that car companies might want in terms of content creation. Oh, wow. Okay, creative. Can I speak to a car company and say, I can either make a podcast for you free in exchange for a car, or I can make content about said car. Not only car manufacturers, but there's also these rental companies that do electric cars only on subscription. I'm like, instead of doing a subscription, can we Ooh. do an exchange? What else happened? I've just come back from New York yesterday. New York was a great trip, but I didn't feel when I was going, I didn't feel excited about it this time. And all I was thinking about when I was going out there was I'm going to miss my cats. I don't <laughs> want to leave them. And I have all this work to do and it's going to push me further behind with work because I've got the travel yeah, yeah, yeah. day. And then like while I'm out there, I've got to work for the, for the client that's flown me out there. You weren't in the um, right mood to go there and enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't. Which is funny because I did quite enjoy it because I knew it was short. Oh, nice. And I knew it was only two days, got the work I needed to do done there and I didn't fall that far behind. But it did get me thinking about the dangers of falling behind because you might have noticed Indie Bites hasn't been out for two weeks and yeah. I was really set on trying to get that out every week, every Tuesday, yeah, staying consistent with it. And I miss one week because New York was coming up, I was prepping, I was trying to get all my client work done. And then I've missed this week because I was away. And this is where the slippery slope happens. If I miss two weeks in a row, it just goes. Now I'm, I'm two weeks late and I'm two days late for this week's. So I'm just very wary that if I don't get it out like tomorrow or before next Tuesday, I'm just, <laughs> I'm going to stop publishing again, which I can't afford to do. And then it's hard yeah. to get back to the momentum. Like once you lose the momentum, yeah. So yeah. All right, man. We know what you're doing next week. You're launching your course. Yeah, launching on Tuesday. So it's going to be mostly Twitter, me tweeting about the launch, 
people who support the launch. Actually, you're expected to support the launch, so I will DM you later after that. Yeah, then I plan to do other things about the launch during the week. Not going to do too much because then people got bored very quickly. Well, dude, I'm excited for you. I'm excited to see it and help you with the launch. And on Wednesday, will we chat about it or will you be too excited? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm doing this part no matter what too. Like, I'm committed. Yeah. Legend. Okay, fantastic. I've got one goal this week and that is to get an episode of Indie Bites out. If I do that, that's a win for me. And then do some more work about those two deals that could help me out a lot. You know the 6k a month one I was telling you about last time? I don't know how lucky that is. I was probably still about 50-50. But when I was in New York, I was with the client and he is bought in, but he needs to get buy-in from his company to do it. But we, I put across a good case and so... 50-50 is a good odds. It's good odds. Yeah, yeah. I hope you get it. Yeah. Thank you. So yeah, cool, man. Well, good chatting. And we'll catch up next Wednesday. Thank you for tuning into this Indie Life. A reminder that you can now sponsor the show by heading to indielife.fm slash sponsor. If you want to continue the discussion or let us know your thoughts on burnout, launching a course or anything else that we talked about in this episode, you can do so on Twitter. We're at This Indie Life. Link is in the show notes. That's all from me. Stay indie. James out.